Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events. The list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And we're live with another Forever Mighty post-game show, Eddie, day after. Um, Sorry about that, everybody who was waiting for a show (laughs) last night. Uh, the Ducks get the win, though. They clean up at the end of the season here against the Arizona Coyotes, 3 to nothing. Uh, we suspected there would be a difficult game this week where they would come out and lose, and lo and behold, they did not. So that's great news for the Ducks. They controlled their own destiny, slotting into the second division spot, which honestly I did not see coming uh, if you would have asked me this two weeks ago. But the Ducks with a huge win here, Eddie. How do you feel about the game overall, and uh, are you stoked on this home ice advantage? Yeah, I mean, the game overall was okay. It wasn't a great performance by the Ducks. They they kind of hung on at times, but it doesn't matter. I mean, all, all it was about was getting the two points and then hoping that San Jose would lose to Minnesota, which obviously happened. And I think the big outcome of this game is obviously getting home ice in the first round and, and obviously possibly in the second round as well, depending on how that Vegas and Kings series go. But that's huge. I mean, we talked about it. You, you, the Ducks record at home is a lot better than it is on the road, as it is for most teams. And it's just so much better to start those first two games in Honda Center and trying to gain some momentum than heading into the Shark Tank for games one and two. Yeah, the Ducks are able to clean up their last 10 games, 8-1-1 one, and one on a five-game winning streak. So you want to be cooking right when the playoffs come around, and the Ducks are doing exactly that. Heading into this game, though, we get uh, some new faces in the lineup that we haven't seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. So Troy Terry gets back in the lineup. Antoine Vermette comes into the lineup. Um, who sat out tonight? Chimera? And JT Brown, correct? Yes. They were out of the lineup for the Ducks. And then uh, we would get Ryan Miller on a back-to-back. I was hoping he wouldn't be the guy because that would mean that Gibby was healthy. But unfortunately, the Ducks are probably doing the smart thing, though, and resting Gibson until the playoffs start. Hopefully that's the case. But Miller being called upon on the second half of a back-to-back is always a uh, a scary move just because it's always shown uh, across the board that goalies have way worse games in the second half of a back-to-back, and usually you don't even put your goaltender in that kind of position. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they obviously just want to keep Gibby fresh, like you said, so it makes sense. Red Barrow going in maybe would have been the better option, but again, it just makes me feel that they think Gibby will be ready for game one. Otherwise, why would you play Miller on a back-to-back if you had any idea that he might be the starter in game one of the playoffs? No, it's true, but 
Miller coming up again and saving the Ducks because, I mean, honestly, as you said, the Ducks held on at, at times in this game. Arizona controlled Jordy in the play. I felt like the Ducks got some chances. And early, uh, I just felt like the Ducks were going to be at this point in the game where it didn't seem like it was going to go their way the whole time. But if you look at the shot shares and all that, the Ducks um, just couldn't hang with Arizona for some reason, but just took advantage of their uh, their opportunities. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a weird game because you know they they didn't look like they showed up necessarily, but they got it done, and we've seen that multiple times from them this season where they they didn't really play their best game. Arizona's been playing some good hockey as of late. Auntie Ranta has been unbelievable. But they were able to kind of grind out and get that uh, essentially 2 nothing win. Of course, Lynn Holmes was an empty netter. But it's the type of game where you're expected to pick up points, and they, they kind of got done what they had to. Yep, so let's go ahead and get this game broken into. Eddie, let's start the intro and kick off the show. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. I don't know if I should be surprised anymore that, I mean, we've had, what, a couple of these morning shows so far, and I think every time we've gone into it expecting the chat to be dead... And we've got four people in here already trooping it out uh, early morning to get in the chat. So we've got Gordon Bombay in here in the chat. Matt Angel's in the chat. Timu Salami is in the chat. <laughs> and uh, Quacking Steve as well. Thank you guys for coming out. Uh, I mean, uh, it's unfortunate we couldn't get it out tonight, but it, it's great to have the support the next day. So No, man, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's just great. So let's get into this first period and, and go through this breakdown, I guess, as quick as we can, because I know everybody wants to hear about the matchup with the Sharks. So not much going on, really, in the beginning part of this first period. A little bit of feistiness, which I guess you don't expect, but the, the, the Coyotes always play the Ducks hard. So a little bit of feistiness in front of the bench. Then the uh, uh, Richardson takes a cross-checking penalty. Ducks go on their first power play. And they get a goal. And the power plays looked a little bit better as of late. They've kind of changed things around, moved certain guys up. I think it's uh, Henrik with Raquel, Genslav, Lindholm, and Montour on that first pairing. And it's Adam Henrik who ends up gathering the rebound from Raquel's shot. Swats it home, one nothing Ducks. Great to see him get on the board, too. No, absolutely it is, man. And it was a strange play just because it was a scramble in front of the net. But, I mean, it's really nice to see Brandon Montour get some first power play minutes because the past few games, they put in Lindholm out there with him yeah. or without him. He was just out there by himself. And I was just like, why? Why, why would you not put Montour out there? <laughs> I just don't understand. He's our best offensive defenseman for my money. But, uh, no, good play there with the Ducks, getting another power play goal, which is great. Uh, Henrique with all the hard work in front of the net and Perry obviously creating havoc by a screen in front of Ranta. And, uh, you know, Ducks pot one in, make it one nothing. Yeah, and then Miller has to get into the game right after that because Cousins gets a breakaway, and Miller makes a pretty good pad save. Uh, the commentators, though, they said stopped by Gibson, which I guess at this point you just kind of expect John Gibson to be the guy making a big save early in the game. But Miller getting involved early, making a good save on Cousins, so it could have made it 1-1. One to one. Miller's been really good these, yeah. these past few games he's been playing, and I really feel comfortable with him in net. He just looks sharp. He doesn't look out of position. He doesn't scramble. Um, and like he just looks so calm, especially on that save. The guy came right in off the wing and took a shot. He didn't, you know, he didn't overplay. He didn't have to stretch. Just 
made a, made a beautiful save. I felt like uh, the Coyotes had their chances, but they didn't get any flashy ones against uh, not too many flashy ones against the Ducks. Miller's been really strong. Yeah, and the Ducks finished out the period with a couple chances. Raquel had a breakaway, but Clayton Keller got back somehow. Uh, an outstanding back check to, to break that play up. Richie had a, a hard drive to the net, but it was stopped by Antiranta, who also had a pretty solid first period. Uh, and then I guess the only notable thing really left in the first period was Zach Ronaldo just crushed Andre Kasha right in the slot. Uh, luckily, he was okay. It was a clean hit, but he absolutely destroyed him. He's been on a, on a couple of bad ends of hits like that, poor yeah. Kasha. But why is Zach Ronaldo still playing in the NHL? <laughs> I don't like, know. It's Arizona, know right? So. I didn't know that guy existed still until yeah. that happened. I just I re- was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> the last place I saw him playing that I remember was, I think, in Philadelphia. And then he kind of disappeared off the radar. Maybe he spent some time in the AHL. I don't know. But he finds his way onto a, a young team in Arizona. And I, I mean, he, I guess he finds a way to be valuable still. Make, making hits, being a physical guy, probably a good guy in the locker room. But I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I don't know how he's still a guy that uh, GMs are, are kind of searching for. If you can't play hockey, I mean, and all you do is run around and goon it up, I don't care how good you are in the locker room. That's just that's how I feel. Yeah. Like you can jump down the hole with those the goon enforcer types. But, but yeah, I just saw that name and I saw that hit, and I was like, wow, <laughs> is that really the same dude? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's how the period wrapped. Yeah, we don't really see those guys too much anymore. They've they've kind of, for the most part, uh, evaporated from the game. But the Ducks finished the period up one to nothing. They outshot Arizona ten to nine. A decent period all around. Nothing really flashy. The only big news, obviously, was the Ducks' power play goal in the first. But the, the second period was a little bit more exciting. Uh, right from right off the bat, Boshman ripped the shot from the point, and Ranta made easily his best save of the game with a, a great flash of the glove. And then it got interesting, to say the least. Uh, Perry and Domi mixing it up front, um, up in front of the net in front of Ryan Miller. Domi ends up shoving Perry's head into the ice, takes his helmet off. The, the refs are just sitting there watching it. Uh, nothing Literally happens there. Yeah. five feet away. Yeah. Standing watching this go down, and nothing. Uh, like I, I get they're both involved wrestling a bit, but uh, Domi clearly impeding Corey Perry from getting up off the ice and also shoving his face in the ice, which is never a good thing. Doesn't get called. And then Perry ends up taking a clipping penalty, which was a penalty. It was a, a pretty bad penalty for Perry to take. I understand he was pissed off, but that's a very dangerous play where he essentially just, I guess he turtles in front of, I th- think it was Nick Cousins, and uh, takes him out at the knees. He gets a penalty, but before that's over, he ends up fighting Richardson, which wasn't a great fight, but Perry involved in, in multiple things <laughs> early on in the second period. He just has to kick the nasty meter up because he knows the playoffs are coming around. So he's getting—he's becoming the old Perry right now. Yeah, I mean he <laughs> did hold on to Domi's stick in front of the net. So I mean the ref easily could have gave them both whatever you want—a roughing penalty or unsportsman likes—and sent them back. But it's like Perry's getting his head pushed into the ice, and then I just—I just don't know how they don't call anything there. Just letting it go. But uh, you're right, Perry's not much of a fighter, so that Richardson fight wasn't all that great. But it's nice to see Perry getting nasty again. Yeah, and Domi almost scores on the power play, too. He he gets a very good chance. Miller gets just a piece that goes wide. I imagine if Domi, after not getting a penalty, if he scores on the power play, how how much uh, rage would be on Duck's Twitter if that happened? I can only imagine. That that would have been a whole other level. Oh, people would have been flipping out, and it would have changed the dynamic of this game. I mean, when it's yeah. one nothing and you're able to tie the game up there, I mean, that, that changes everything. And luckily, you know, he wasn't able to do it at that point. 
but uh, Domi's having not a so great year either, right? Yeah. I mean, he's he was expected a lot of, uh, as a lot of people have expected from him, just a much bigger season, and he's really just not performing. Yeah, that that's kind of the trend, though, I think, for Arizona as a whole. They really started turning things off in the second half of this season. Uh, Domi really hasn't. Duclair, obviously, before he got traded, hadn't. They ended up moving on from him. Uh, there's a couple guys who have stepped up, but it, it really has just been a disappointing season. Where I think a lot of people expected Arizona to be a better team than they were this year. I think they expected this second-half push for most of the season, where they wouldn't necessarily get into the playoffs, but they would be one of those teams around 10th, 11th, where they're at least making a push and trending in the right direction. But uh, they, they got a couple chances. I, I mean, Miller didn't have to play, I think, at his best in this game, but there was a couple times where he had to make some good saves. Uh, right after the power play, there was a two-on-one with Keller and Goligoski. Keller was trying to get the pass across, but it was a great job by, I think, Manson to, to really block that passing angle, and Keller ends up shooting it, and Miller's forced to make a good save. Like I said, not a game where Miller really got tested too much, but he still had to be good. No, it's true, man. That's what I was saying. It's Miller had to play a solid game, and he did. And you know, you, it's what you expect from a veteran. I mean, like he's we we've been talking about him. He's he's only a year removed from being a starter, and I feel very comfortable with him in net right now. Just played a great game. Yeah, and and, and like we said, it's weird to see him on the back to back, but at least it it kind of looks like John Gibson should be starting then for game one. Otherwise, I don't know why you would start uh, Miller on the back to back. Ekman Larson gets the next chance for Arizona. He rips a bomb off the post during their next power play here after Boschman took a hole in the stick penalty. Nothing would uh, happen on that power play for Arizona, and the Ducks would actually get the next goal. Getzlaff continuing to put up the assist, passes a, a beautiful pass from behind the net to Raquel, who plots his 34th, which is a career high. He actually ends up doing it. He passes the 33 he put up last year, and now he's at 69 points on the season. Obviously didn't get to 70, but still a big season for him. It's what we needed. He's yeah. in that second tier, we said, of, uh, of really good players. He's not that elite guy, but anytime you have a guy on your team uh, making basically pennies compared to what he could be making anywhere else, I feel like, and putting up almost 70 points is just a fantastic season for him. I mean, obviously working really well with Getzloff, and Getzloff's the cog for offenses we've always been talking about. But, I mean, you got to have the guy to put the puck in the net. And Raquel's just had a hell of a year, man. Good on him to get 34. And that would do it for the second period. Ducks ended up being up 2-0. Arizona actually outshot Anaheim in that period 12-8 and held the shot advantage 21-18 for the game. Going into the third period, a little bit of back and forth, I think, in this game. Teams trying to feel each other out. Obviously, the Ducks trying to hold on and get two points and, and at least do what they can to just secure home ice advantage and secure that third spot at the time. Goligoski tripped Grant early on in the period. The Ducks got a power play, but nothing really going on there. And then uh, Miller's forced to make a, a good save on Goligoski, who got a lot on the shot. But uh, Miller has to make another good save. And then I guess the, the last noticeable thing from the from the third for me before, obviously, the empty net goal, was Terry probably got his best chance that he's had since coming up. And obviously, this is only his second game. But he had a very good chance where he broke in sort of on a half breakaway. Uh, had a good shot, but Antiranta did well to deny him. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, Terry getting a look here in the last game of the regular season. Um, would have been nice to see him get, get a goal there. But, I mean, at the same time, it's it's only his second game. And I feel like we're going to see more of him. I, uh, I, really, I really feel like Randy Carlisle is probably going to put him into come playoff time. Don't you feel like? 
I, I feel like he might make an appearance, and we had a question sort of around that topic later on as well, but I, I, I don't know. It's tough because what we had heard is he was out due to a minor injury, and I don't know if he's backed in this game because of that or if he's back because it was the last season because you know Antoine Vermette was also back so it felt like they're just kind of throwing some guys in who had been regular scratches up until that point so I, I really don't know I, I honestly feel that Randy Carlo probably goes with Chimera Grant and either JT Brown or Chris Kelly for the first game I, I just feel like that's something he's more comfortable comfortable with than putting Troy Terry in there although I do believe having Troy Terry in the lineup would probably be the better option yeah, no, I, that's true. I would take the skill of Troy Terry any day. I think he needs to be the option here for Anaheim in the playoffs, as everyone has been talking about. We've always wanted to see Troy Terry. And when there was an opportunity for him to come into this uh, to this lineup, everyone got really excited about it. And then they were really quiet about the injury. Remember how weird it was? Eric yeah. Stevens didn't even mention that there was an injury. Like He just waited till the next day. He was like, oh, I guess I should have said that. It's just really <laughs> weird. And nothing yeah. against Stevens. Stevens is great. But it's just always weird the way that that kind of transpired and everyone found out there was an actual injury on him. Yeah, and then after that, we really never heard anything about his injury after that tweet. And, and even going into this game, we didn't really hear anything saying that he was back and healthy from his injury, whatever it ended up being. So it, it's a weird situation. I don't know if he was actually healthy scratched, if maybe he did have a nagging injury. I guess we'll have to wait and see in game one and see if he's in the lineup or not. Uh, but f- for the Ducks to finish off here, Hampus Lindholm fired it from the length of the ice into the empty net. Ducks end up winning the game 3-0. Shots on goal with 30-1 to 27 Anaheim, but that doesn't matter. Ducks win the game, get two points. And then we all had to sit and wait. The uh, At the time, I think this game ended, Dallas was up 4-0 on LA in the first period. Jamie Benn had a natural hat-trick in the first period. That game finished 4-2 Dallas. LA Kings falled into, or I guess they stay in the top wild card spot, and they end up or and they end up playing at Vegas in the first round, and they were sitting and waiting for the Wild and Sharks game to end, which started well. The Wild were up two nothing, and then I checked back probably about five minutes later, and it was two two, and uh, it was a little bit nerve wracking. But then the Minnesota just broke out, ended up winning the game six three, and the Ducks clinch home ice. I mean, who would have expected this? Really, the way they they were starting, even I think it was seven games ago or maybe a little bit longer than that, there was one point where the Ducks were seven points behind San Jose, and we were sitting here saying, oh, it would be nice if they got into a Pacific Division spot, and they climb all the way back on the last day to pass the Sharks. I mean, what a, what a grind. I didn't expect it. I mean, I yeah. really did not think this was going to be what the Ducks were going to be able to do in the second half. I mean, they've come out storming, and they've really just shown that they can play together and, and work through adversity. And honestly, goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. I mean, that's how you're winning games when all these injuries are going on. I mean, Ryan Miller, I mean, we talk about Giddy all year, but Ryan Miller's really done a number this year. And I know it was against Arizona, and he didn't face the hardest of uh, competition, but you got to come in and work every night, and he, he helps the Ducks clinch that spot. I mean, where would they where would they be without him, really? Miller's really stepped up. Yeah, exactly. And, and it always helps, too, winning the last five games of the season. When And I believe San Jose, I'm going to have to check here, they lost five of their last six. So uh, they got a little bit of help for sure from the Sharks and the struggles that they had, but you got to give them credit for going out and winning out and winning those last five games to get in, uh, because it was great. They they gutted out some of these games. Some of them they dominated. Some of them they didn't, and they had to hang on. So it was just a great effort to f- eventually get to that spot and get home ice, which is is so important in the first round of the playoffs. But I want to have a look here at some of 
the players that had better seasons compared to last year. There's a lot of guys on this list. Uh, these, these, I think these were updated uh, before the game against Arizona, so if some of the points are off, that would be why. But uh, I'll go down the list here. So John Gibson had a 9.26 save percentage this year, better than last year, which was 9.24, or 0.924. Derek Grant, 24 points this year versus 4 last year. Adam Henrique, obviously this has changed now, but 48 points at the time we had written this down versus 40 points last year. Andre Kasha, 38 versus 15. Lindholm, 30 versus 20. Manson, 36 versus 17. Miller, a huge jump in save percentage at .927 versus .914. And Ricard Raquel finishing at 69 points versus his 51 last year. Just a lot of guys stepping up when uh, some of the big guys weren't having great years or were out injured. Did anyone expect, anyone listening in the chat, pop in and, and let us know. Did anyone expect Tampa's Lenholm would have 13 goals this season? I'm just, I know that everyone knows that I love that guy. But, uh, yeah, I really feel like he has that opportunity to step up again next year and get in the 40-50 point range. That's my expectation. I know it's very lofty, Eddie, and I know that you probably disagree that he's going to be able to jump up another 10 to 15 points. But that's my hope. I mean, he, he very well could. He had 31 points in 69 games. So he did miss 13 games this year. If you look at his point pace, that's probably, if, if he has a good, a good couple of games, seven or eight points on top of what he already has. So he's sitting then around 38, 39. That's very, very close to the 40-point range. And if he takes a step forward next year, then he should be past that 40-point mark. 50, I think, would be a stretch. He would have to, I think he'd have to get a lot more opportunities on the power play where he hasn't necessarily looked great if he was going to get over 50, but I think 40 is within reach. If he has the same responsibility, the same role that he has had this year and next year and plays a full 82 games, I think he can definitely hit 40. I hope so, man. I mean, that, yeah. the Ducks really need that guy. We've always said it was going to be Fowler, and, you know, that was going to be the offensive defenseman that this team needs. It's great to see Hampus step up and, you know, really turn his game to an offensive side of things. It, we see him on the power play now. So, uh, yeah, there's opportunity. I know I'm a little high. On uh, on the ladder for him about how well he's going to be playing, but I mean I think the biggest biggest thing that happened here this year was Andre Kasha. I mean just yeah. what a what a player. I mean he's really come in and just owned his roster spot and has been just a key guy in big games. I mean hitting overtime game winners. Um, Clint, he helped the Ducks clinch. You know he gets the goal there against Minnesota. So I mean what more can you ask of that guy? I mean twenty two years old and just just performing above and beyond expectation. Yeah, nobody expected this guy to come out and get 20 goals this year and to be a, a guy that would stick around and be a huge part of this team's success on the third line. Uh, I mean, it's been unbelievable. Uh, a guy who's a seventh-round pick, already up against it when he was drafted, didn't expect to probably even make the National Hockey League, but just worked hard, worked his way up, and from the moment he got into the lineup for the Ducks, he made an immediate impact and made it impossible to take him out of the lineup. And that's what you that's what you want. You want a guy who works hard, and, and who makes it difficult for for you to take him out of the lineup. And there's a reason he's still sticking around because he's he's pulling off plays and, like you said, scoring goals, game-winning goals. He's, he's doing things that matter for the Ducks, and, and he's going to be a really big part of this team's success in the postseason as well. Yeah, he has to be. They need that depth scoring. Uh, going back to our the chat right now, our buddy uh, Jimmy, He's in there, and he said that he won't be surprised. He's not surprised and won't be surprised when he's a Norse candidate, you know, referring back to Hampus Lindholm. And uh, I hope so, man. That, that was my thing. He's got to be top 10 across the league. I mean, if he just keeps stepping up that offensive play, there's no reason why he won't be. 
and then Gordon Bombay has to come in and be a dream killer and say you're going to be sad when they trade him. <laughs> um, if they trade him, I might have to revoke my 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 fan membership card to the Ducks for at least a season. I'll be so pissed. Um, <laughs> that's how much <laughs> that I think that he means to this team overall. I mean, really. But uh, and then Drew points out that he's also coming off a pretty brutal shoulder surgery, which is the case. I mean, the Ducks got hit with both of those with uh, Sammy Votnin and and, um, and Lindholm with both those torn labrums, which is awful. So hopefully next season we see more out of him. But back to Kasha, like you said, I mean, you have to take a veteran spot, and he did. He, he's really made a name for himself on that line. And, I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to Henrique too, right, coming over yeah. and performing really well from the trade and has made no mistake in Anaheim and just I think he's been great too. It's, I'm excited to see what he's going to have to offer in the playoffs, and we get another year out of him, which is awesome. There, so looking forward to see how he develops. Yeah, and Derek brings up a good point as well. He said Kasha probably could have gotten 25 goals if he wasn't injured this season. I mean, he played 66 games and got 20 goals. He still had 16 possible games to play. I feel like in that time span, he could have easily picked up at least five goals and finished at around 25, if not closer to 30. Uh, I mean, 20 is no, not a, a number to slouch at anyway, but I, I mean, imagine that if he could have hit 25 or got close to 30, and if he can consistently do that, he's going to be a valuable member for this team and a guy who could eventually jump up into the top six and, and be a guy that's relied upon more. Uh, I mean, imagine if he starts getting consistent power play time, he gets relied on a little bit more, plays, plays some more minutes, some top minutes. He could be a very dangerous player, even more so than he is now. No, it's true. And if if it's not for uh, McDermott on the Kings earlier this season, yeah, we might have seen five, six, seven more goals out of him this year. Um, but we got next season and playoffs to look forward to, man. The playoffs are huge. They're coming up. Ducks secured home ice. Uh, do you want to jump into the series that everyone's chomping at the bit? Yeah, I, I think we have to. And, and you know, we'll open it up because we had a question that we're going to do the center, but it centers around what we're going to discuss so Katie asked us on Twitter, she said, on the blue line, in net, on the wing, at center, and special teams, who has the edge in in each, Sharks or Ducks? And we'll, we'll break into that in a bit and get everything broken down. But one thing I kind of want to mention here, and it just kind of summarizes the series as a whole. I think this was from the Ducks article that they put out after the series had been confirmed. So it says that these clubs first met in the 2009 Western Conference quarterfinals. The Ducks served as the eighth seed at the time. The Sharks entered the playoffs as the President's Trophy winner. And the series just mark this series here marks the second time in NHL history that two California teams faced one another in the postseason. I, oh, sorry, this will be the third time coming up now. And the Ducks eliminated the Sharks in six games back then, became the fifth number eight seed since the expansion era to upset the NHL's best regular season team. Obviously, di- different circumstances going into this, with the Ducks being the two seed in the Pacific and the, the Sharks being the three seed, but. It's going to be fun. It's going to be an exciting series. It's the one that we picked as our second option behind the Ducks playing the Kings as as looking at favorable matchups. But I, I think the Ducks still match up good against the Sharks. It's going to be tough. I think a lot of it hinges on when Joe Thornton comes back for San Jose because that's going to make them that much more of a scary team. But uh, it, it's going to be an interesting series. No, it is. I mean, the Sharks went 3-0-1 against Anaheim this year in all but... Uh... But one of the four matchups ended up in a shootout, so they're close games. And I mean that one six to two win the Sharks had over the Ducks. I mean the Ducks really outplayed the Sharks. I mean, we talk about that game a lot, but the Sharks just were more opportunistic, I guess, and they just got luckier. It just happens. You could you could be dominated a whole game and still win, and we've seen that for, from our Ducks all the time. But uh, this series is going to be slightly less of a bloodbath. It's still going to be nasty. This is a nasty team. Uh, the Sharks, especially if Joe Thornton comes back into the mix, 
that's and he's he's world class. I know he's older and he had these injuries, but uh, you still got to fear Joe when he's out on the ice. And I really feel like they're gonna. I don't think we're gonna see the gloves drop as we did with Getzloff and Thornton back <laughs> in 2009 at center ice. But yeah. that'd be awesome if this game culminates to that. Um, it's exciting, man. I think this is gonna be a good matchup for the Ducks. Um, much more favorable for me than uh, than Vegas. So. Let's get into it, man. You want to? What do you want to start? You want to start on the blue line since that was the first one she mentioned. Do you want to talk about the Ducks yeah. versus the Sharks? D. Uh, one thing, right on cue, Eric Stevens tweeting out that games one and two of the Sharks Ducks series are going to be Thursday and Saturday, and games three and four are going to be Monday and Wednesday. So we okay. know we know now when the games are going to be. So game one now is going to be on Thursday. Game two will be Saturday. Game three Monday, and game four Wednesday. So it doesn't change anything, but just so you guys all know, I'm sure you'll you'll have seen it by the time you listen to this show if you're not listening live. But uh, Eric Stevens kicking it off right on cue. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess we'll start with the blue line and and we'll look at first of all goals against the goals against per game that the Ducks have and the Sharks have. So the Ducks have been great defensively all year. A lot of that is on goaltending as well, but the goals against average is third in the National Hockey League at 2.55. And the Sharks is 10th. So they're still a top 10 team at 2.76. And then, um, I, I, I mean, I think the Ducks have a slight edge here. Uh, and I think they have a slight edge on depth in defensemen if Cam Fowler was in the lineup. I, I think him being out makes this a little bit closer. I, I don't know how you feel. I mean, we'll break down each pairing uh, after this. But I, I think it's it's a lot closer than it would be if Cam Fowler was in the lineup. No, absolutely. I mean, I agree with that. We talked about that, too. Once we found out that Cam Fowler was two to six weeks, that we felt like it was easier, um, you know, to have Gibby injured than it would be to have Fowler injured just because of his ability to move the puck, his power play, um, his power play skills up there with Montour, I feel like, is just invaluable to this team. And you got to make the best of your chances. So when you get a power play in the postseason, I mean, you really got to bury those chances. And they're really going to miss Fowler for this series. Yeah. I don't think he's going to come back. So I don't know. Having Pedersen and, w- and Walensky, we talked about it last show. That doesn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, they struggled it's, the again. The Ducks are going to be really missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, really missing Cam Fowler. Yeah, the Walensky Pedersen struggled again in the game against Arizona, which obviously doesn't bode well for a series against the Sharks if they're going to be paired together. But uh, let's jump in to the pairings, and we'll start with the Sharks because we know who the Ducks pairings are going to be, and we'll we'll get into them after. But the way the Sharks pairings look like they're going to be going into the playoffs is the first pairing is Paul Martin and Brent Burns. The second is Mark Edward Vlasic and Justin Braun. And the third is Dylan DeMello and uh, Brendan Dillon. So I feel like, I mean, obviously Brent Burns makes that seem a lot better. Uh, Paul Martin is a guy, I think, five years ago, you would have said, oh, that's that's a pretty good top pairing. Uh, but he's been in and out of the lineup all year. And I feel like, I think he spent some time in the AHL, finally got called back and, and solidified his spot to kind of be the anchor to allow Brent Burns to do what he wants on the blue line. So that I think they they get the slight edge in star power on that top pairing with Brent Burns. But other than that, I mean, Edward, Mark Edward Vlasic and Justin Braun is a pretty solid pairing. Uh, Brendan Dillon and Dylan DeMello, I think, is a, probably a better bottom pairing than the Ducks can put out right now. But uh, I would still give the Ducks a slight edge. I feel like having Lindholm and Manson as a top pairing, and, and then if Fowler was back, Fowler and Montour, uh, looks a lot better than what the Sharks have up to offer, obviously excluding Brent Burns. Yeah, Brent Burns is a freak. Yeah. Um, he's He can play anywhere and do anything he wants. 
I mean, we all know, we've all seen what kind of player that he is. Obviously not having the same season he had uh, when he won the Norris and not putting up the crazy numbers. But he's he's somebody you got to be careful about, right? He plays a lot of minutes. He's a big guy, too. Yeah. So the Ducks got to be mindful of him. But, yeah, Paul Martin doesn't bother me at all. Like, I just yeah. – I mean, I, I'm surprised he's still playing. He's been injured so often. So uh, the fact that he's on the top pair, I mean, sure, whatever. I mean, he's, he's, he's not, he's not going to burn you by scoring, but he's definitely a decent defender. And I've always liked Mark, Mark Edward Vlasic. I think he's a great defenseman. Um, and yeah. Justin Braun's not too bad either, but I agree. Man, that third that third pairing is really nothing. But I mean, it's better than what we got right now, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I even think the second pairing right now is probably better than the, what the Ducks can offer with Fowler out of the lineup because you've got Boschman and Montour, and Montour is obviously a plus. But then having Boschman there makes it difficult. So, you know, I, I would uh, on the top pairing, it's tough to give a slight edge to the to the Ducks, but I think I would just because you you know how good Lindholm and Manson have been together. Uh, and the Sharks are very, very close, obviously because of Brent Burns. But like you said, Paul Merrin does nothing for me on that top pairing. And uh, I feel like he's going to have to get carried a lot by Brent Burns, which he's obviously capable of doing. Uh, for the second pairing, I give the edge probably to the Sharks. I think Mark Edward Vlasic, Justin Braun is a more suitable and reliable pairing than Boschman and, and uh, Montour. And the bottom pairing, I mean, you don't know how well Pedersen and Walensky are going to do if they're paired together going into the playoffs, but uh, I think you have to go and give the edge to Brendan Dillon and Dylan DeMello because that just seems to be the more consistent pairing and the guys who who have a little bit more NHL experience than Pedersen and Walensky do. Yeah, no, I agree with you, man. They do. The Ducks really need to get Fowler back. That's that's what we need to see. We have not seen a good showing from Walensky on his second stint in Anaheim. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and it's again, it's the goaltending that inflates that uh, goals against average number for the Ducks. I mean, it's not that the defense has been bad, but you know, you look at the Ducks being third and the Sharks being tenth, you'd say, well, how do you give any any slight edge to San Jose whatsoever? Well, I mean, it's goaltending. It's always been goaltending. It's been goaltending all season. Mm-hmm. No, hundred percent. So, I mean, I guess with that, we can move into goaltending because I feel like that's probably the next logical step to move into. Obviously, the Ducks want to have John Gibson as their starter heading into the playoffs. Martin Jones will be the starter for San Jose. And if things go wrong or if guys get injured, you have Ryan Miller who can come in for Anaheim and you have Aaron Dell who could come in for San Jose. Looking at it without diving into the numbers, who who do you think has the, the advantage here? Oh, the Ducks, 100%. Yeah, I, and I mean, I think for me it comes down to consistency uh, and, and how well John Gibson has played throughout the entire season. I feel like Martin Jones has had his struggles and he's had to share the net, uh, share the starting position with Aaron Dell at times when he wasn't playing as well. No, 100%. And they both have had very, very average years. I mean, they got like, I want to, I don't want to, I don't want to bash them because I know that they're, they're a decent team, but uh, the Sharks goaltending has just been subpar. I mean, yeah. I really feel like they're not as good as, as what we'd expect from them. They're sitting at, I mean, Jones is at a 915 and Aaron Dell's at a 914. That's backup quality in the NHL these days for both those guys, and they're, and they're getting starts. So the Ducks need to take advantage and exploit. I, th- I feel like the goaltending has just been uh, just a, a, weak, a weak spot for the Sharks, and the Ducks can take advantage of that. Yeah, and you look at this team save percentage since December 27th, which is around the time everybody got healthy for the Ducks. Anaheim's is 93.5. And uh, San Jose is 91.25. So a considerable difference there. And, and that's seen even just looking at the raw save percentage by the goaltenders. So the big key is, is John Gibson. Uh, he has to be back. He has to be ready to go 100% healthy for game one if the Ducks are going to have a considerable edge in this category. I think even having Ryan Miller in 
is still good. It's it's still better than uh, than having say Jonathan Bernie like we had last year. But uh, if if John Gibson isn't ready to go, you have to give the edge to the Sharks if the matchup is Jones against Miller, just because of of Jones and, and it, you know being more probably of a reliable starter all year than Ryan Miller has been. So. I, I think if Gibson's healthy, it's it's a definite edge for Anaheim. But if he's not ready to go, it makes uh, things a little bit murky. I, I would still take Miller over Jones right now. If yeah. You, if you put me, yeah, I would right now. I just I didn't realize how bad. And I know that the playoffs are different. I, I yeah. mean, I know it's a different season. I get it. But uh, I still feel like Miller's a veteran presence. He's been here, done that. And I know he's a bit older. And they're not going to see any back to backs in the playoffs, especially in the first round. I mean, it's super rare when that happens. So Miller with lots of rest time, I feel, before the, he, he has an opportunity if he's forced to start this first round. And I think he'll be good to go. I think the Ducks have the advantage in net. Yeah. And, and going up on base, it's been, been difficult not to blow up on fans still questioning if we should start Miller. <laughs> when, when's that going to end? Uh it never ends. I mean, it was here when we had uh, Freddie and, and Gibby, and it was who we were going to start then, and it was always, should we start Freddie over Gibby? Should we start Gibby over Freddie? Uh, when uh, when Anderson moved on, it was kind of somewhat like that at times last year with Bernier and Gibson. Just, you know, the hot hand. Uh, some fans always like to jump on the hot hand and say, should we start this guy over that guy? Same thing this year with Miller over Gibson. I think there's obviously no question if Gibson's healthy, you start him. But some people are going to always question that. I mean, Miller hasn't been bad, so I can get where, where some of the questioning is coming from. No, 100%. And uh, we, we probably shouldn't talk about Jonathan Bernier. People got some uh, <laughs> some stress, post-traumatic stress disorder from last year. I'm not trying to joke about that, but that was such a – that was a brutal game. You know, we all you all know the National Series, and I don't think we should be talking about, uh, about Jonathan Bernier at all anymore because, God, he killed us. Yeah. <laughs> and Ryan yeah. Miller is far beyond better than him. Yeah, I feel more comfortable having Ryan Miller as a backup in case anything goes wrong or if John Gibson isn't ready to go. Uh, let's let's move on to the big one, and that's offense. And I think if we, we kind of look at the Ducks and the Sharks' records since December 27th, again, when when everybody came back healthy, I believe, they're pretty similar. The Ducks are 28-12-5 since the 27th of December. San Jose is 26-16-6. and six. Pretty close. Anaheim's Corsi 4 percentage is 50.36. San Jose is 49.49. Again, relatively close. Close. I think they're evenly matched as an offense. Um, it's tough. I mean, the Ducks are ranked 18th in goals per game. Haven't been great all season. Have kicked it up lately. They finally gotten out of that bottom 10 and moved up into 18th. Sharks are at 13th. And a big boost to their lineup has been Evander Kane. How do you think the two offenses match up? It is close. With Evander Kane, and the guy's got 14 points in 17 games for the Sharks. Um, he's been a hell of a pickup. Nine of those are goals, as you would expect. He's more of a scorer. And they've got guys up and down the lineup that can burn you, really. I mean, they got some speed, too. Hurdle uh, and Logan Couture. I, I just – they're not a um, – they're not an offensively inept team. And it could get dangerous to the Ducks here. But I feel – I, God, the Ducks really need that that third line to keep uh, keep putting up points, right? I mean, that's what we're, it's yeah. going to come down to is the depth scoring. But I would give the edge. I'd have to give the edge to the Sharks. Yeah, yeah, I I would too. I mean, you just look at the top end scoring and then the depth throughout the lineup. So at the top of the Ducks lineup, it's Raquel with sixty nine points, Getzlaff with sixty one, Perry with forty nine, Silverberg with forty, and Cashel with thirty eight. And on the Sharks' side, excluding defensemen as well, it's Pavelski with 66, 
Kuchar with 61. Kane has 54 for the season. Hurdle at 46. Tierney 41. And LeBanc at 40. I just think this, the scoring depth is better for San Jose. But if the if the Ducks can get that third line rolling, it's it's definitely a closer matchup. But you know the way San Jose sets up, they distribute their offense very well. So they've got... I don't think Evander Kane played last game. I'm not sure if he's hurt, but he's not listed as... Um, as being on their, their starting lineup. But the way they lined up last game was Pavelski, Donskoy, and Timo Meyer, Logan Couture, Mikel Bodker, Thomas Hurdle, Chris Tierney, Kevin LeBanc, and uh, rookie Dylan Gambrel, and then Joel Ward, Marcus Sorensen, and Yannick Hansen on the fourth line. I, I feel like, obviously, when Evander Kane jumps in, he's on that first line, and Timo Meyer can move down to that third line. They've got three lines that can hurt you and have, have been very deadly all season. I mean, their third line has three guys who are at, either at 40 points or close to 40 points. And then you've got guys up in the top part of the lineup like Pavelski, Evander Kane, and Logan Couture. Uh, it's going to be difficult to match up against them, and, and it's why I think having home ice advantage was so big. But you know, as much as you would expect Kessler to be matched up against the Pavelski and Evander Kane line, somebody's going to have to deal with Logan Couture. I mean, he's got 61 points this year. Uh, and he might be getting a favorable matchup, whether he's against Ryan Getzlaff or if he's against somebody else. Yeah, he's got 34 goals. I yeah. mean, he's quietly good, right? I mean, they've got, like you said, they got two guys with 60, three guys with over 40. And then you got Brent Burns. I mean, talked about him. He leads the team in scoring with 67 points. So, I mean, I know, I know 27 of those come on the power play. But still, I mean, they're dangerous from all, all, all corners of the ice. So I, I feel like... I feel like Getzloff's going to be taking uh, Pavelski head on. I think that's what that's going to be. I don't think the Ducks have any any problem with that. And then you got to put uh, Kessler out there against Logan Couture. You, you think Getzloff is going to be charged with Pavelski and Evander Kane line? And then Kessler is going to be charged to shut down Logan Couture? I feel like it's the other way around. I feel like Kessler gets the, the, the Pavelski-Kane line because that's the tougher line. And then Getzloff gets Logan Couture at least to start the, the playoffs. I guess it kind of depends on how healthy Kessler is, right? I mean, we all know True, he's struggling yeah. a bit, and that's that was my thing. I just I feel like it's going to be it's going to be a nasty series, like we said. But uh, I I don't know, man. Put, putting Kessler out there against Evander Kane that's a that's a tough matchup because obviously Kessler's supposed to be covering the center, right? So he's going to be he's going to be taking over Pavelski. But yeah. I don't know, I don't know. It's a tough matchup for Kessler at this point. I would feel more comfortable having the Gets off line out there. And who do you think then has the edge? We've talked about the top, the top nine and how San Jose has a slight edge over the Ducks. The fourth line isn't going to have any kind of impact, I don't think, on the series, but they're, they're, they're lines that can make things happen in games. So, so the Ducks' fourth line has kind of been all over the place. We don't really know who's going to be starting where. At times, it's Grant, Chimera, and JT Brown. Chris Kelly makes his way in there sometimes. So does, so does Antoine Vermette and Troy Terry. And then the Sharks, last time looking at their, their lineup here, it was Yannick Hansen. Joel Ward and Marcus Sorensen on that third line. How do you think the Ducks match up in that instance, in the fourth line that they can send over the boards? Because we did have a question kind of focusing around that. Garrett asked, do you think Randy Carlo will keep tonight's fourth line for game one, which was Derek Grant, Antoine Vermont, Troy Terry? How do you think they match up? Uh, the Sharks own the fourth line matchup, I feel like. yeah. Um, Joel, Joel Ward's a good player. Yannick Hansen's a good player. Um, and it's it's those random guys in the in the in the depth chart that burn you. You know, I yeah. always feel like that happens at some point. Like they don't they don't you know move the needle too far one way or the other. 
but there's always a game-breaking moment in the playoffs where like, who just scored that goal? Wait a minute, who is that guy? Yeah. And it's usually a guy in the depth chart that gets left alone, you know, just for a second and is able to bury it. Um, I don't have any faith in um, in Chris Kelly, so I hope he doesn't have to come back. I like JT Brown and Troy Terry. I wish that they would be able to play at the same time, right? I mean, that would be nice. Yeah. But uh, I know that probably isn't going to be the case. But uh, I like Derek Grant. Um, I just I still got to give that edge to the Sharks. Yeah. I, the, the thing you got to remember, too, is I, I'm looking at lineups that were last updated on April 5th. They don't include Evander Kane. They don't include Malker Carlson. And the big guy they still don't include is Joe Thornton. So he's being called doubtful for Game 1. Doesn't mean he'll be ready for Game 2 either. I mean, it could be a while before he comes back. But this is how their lineup would look if Joe Thornton was back. So the first line you would expect to be Evander Kane, Joe Pavelski, Jonas Donskoy. Second line's Logan Couture, Mikhail Bodker, Thomas Hurdle. Then you've got Joe Thornton. Timo Meyer, Kevin LeBanc, and then you've got Chris Tierney, Joel Ward, Yannick Hansen, and your spare forward is Mark, Malcolm Carlson, who's still a serviceable NHL player. I, I mean, that's scary. And Joel Thornton's kind of an X factor if he comes back in the series or not, because he was having a very good season until he got hurt. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't want Jumbo Joe to come back. That really throws a wrench in uh, my celebration plans for this first round. I feel like <laughs> that would make the Sharks that much more dangerous. Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of like the same situation we have with John Gibson right now. Is is you know Gibson hasn't been called doubtful for Game One, but there's a little bit of, of mystery around when they're going to be ready to go. Uh, with Joe Thornton being called doubtful for Game One, like I said, it doesn't mean he's going to be that much better for Game Two. The extent of his injury means he could still miss the entire series. They're just hoping that he can come back at some point. I, I mean, for the Ducks, it would be better if he didn't because he makes that team so much deeper. I mean, imagine having to match up against their top three centers of Joe Pavelski, Logan Couture, and Joe Thornton. And then you even have Chris Tierney on the fourth line as a serviceable center on his own right. Uh, I mean, the Ducks have good centers in, in Getzlaff, Kessler, and Henrique, but uh, that's that's a tough matchup to go against when you've got three guys who can hurt you on uh, three different lines. I mean, that's that's scary. That's how the league's built nowadays, though. You kind of yeah. have to come prepared and expect that. And this is the Ducks. they really got to take advantage of, uh, of Joe Thornton not being in the lineup. They need to get as many wins as they can with him out. And hopefully that means the whole round. I mean, I don't, I don't wish any ill against Joe Thornton. I love him as a player. But if you ask me if I could take him out of the lineup and <laughs> say he's injured for the yeah. first round, gladly, please, no problem yeah. at all. Uh, let's let's take a look at special teams because uh, it's been a problem for the Ducks all season, other than the penalty penalty kill, of course. Kind of the same story a bit for San Jose as well. So, so we'll start with the power play. Ducks are ranked 23rd on the season, 17.76%. San Jose is 16th at 20.62%. I think just based off those numbers and just the guys that San Jose can put over the boards for the power play, I think you have to give them the edge there. I, I feel like it's, it's – I don't want to say it's not close, but uh, I think it is. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm looking at uh, Daily Faceoff, just for anyone who wants to know where my reference is from. But they show the first power play unit, and like you said earlier, this is without Joe Thornton. Thomas Hurdle, Logan Couture, Kevin LeBlanc, or LeBanc, sorry, and then Joe Pavelski and Brent Burns on the blue line. That's a really good power play unit for the for, for a first power play. And the Ducks can ice a similar one, right? I mean, that's what I yeah. feel like. If you throw Joe Thornton into this mix, and you have to slot somebody down from that first power play unit to the second power play unit, the Sharks are deadly. I mean, that's just going to make all the difference in the world. Yeah, and we've said it for a while. I mean, the Ducks' power play has the uh, the personnel where it could 
be better, and it just hasn't. And uh, it, it hasn't looked that great at times. It looks pretty good, especially last game when you had Henrique with Perry, Raquel, Getzlaff, and Montour. It, it looked like a better unit. So it'll be interesting to see where they go. But just as things stand right now, you kind of have to give the edge to San Jose. I mean, Brent Burns is going to control the power play from the blue line, and then you've got guys like Pavelski, Vander Kane, Logan Couture, Joe Thornton if he comes back. I, I mean, it's just it's just deadly what they can put over the boards. Um, the penalty kill is interesting, though, because both teams have good penalty kills. The Ducks are fifth at 83.2%. San Jose's penalty kill is second at 84.8%, so they've been good all season. Uh, again, just based off the numbers, and I haven't watched a lot of the Sharks penalty kill. I haven't watched many Sharks games in general, but I, I think you have to give them a, a, the edge again in, in penalty kill just based off the fact that they were second best all season. Yeah, and the percentages are close, right yeah. between fifth and second. 83.2 for the Ducks, 84.8 for the Sharks. So not a huge margin um, for the advantage for the Sharks here. So pretty equal, but um, yeah, I would say that, for me, that's a wash. That's too close for me. To, you yeah. know, one night, a, a bad a bad bounce on a, on a penalty kill and, and they let up a goal the Ducks have been really good at stretches so it's nice to see the penalty kill uh be at that percentage but i have a feeling a lot of it has to do with our goaltending yeah um, i don't have to go back and look at the numbers on how many shots gibson and miller have faced on the power play or rather on the penalty kill and uh, see how they match up there but just i feel like we'd have to make that a one wash yeah, and, and that's the scary thing I think about San Jose's penalty kills. They haven't had that goaltending at times all season, and it's still second best. I mean, they're obviously doing things right uh, in their system to get to that point, and, and the Ducks have relied a lot on goaltending, so it'll be interesting to see how they match up there. You have to give the edge to San Jose right now in special teams just based off the numbers and the guys they had can throw over the boards. Um, here's an interesting one, and I, I had put this up, and, and I had uh, talked about this last year in the playoffs as well. What are some X factors for both teams, you think, going into this playoffs? What are, what are some things they really have to to make sure they focus on if they're going to win this series? Um, the Kessler line needs to score. Yeah. that's I think that's that's an X factor. He gets relied upon that line with Cogs and Silverberg to shut everybody down. But they really need to step up and, and, and make sure they bury their chances when they get them. The Ducks are going to need that depth scoring, I feel that uh, they have a lot of guys who are, are young on this team, right, that, that don't have a ton of playoff experience. Yeah. And, you know, Henrique's new to this team too. So I feel that a lot of it lies on that Kessler line. They need to step up and perform. We don't know what we're going to get out of Andre Kasha this season in the playoffs. We know we saw what he did in, in uh, the regular season, but it's a different game. Um, so I really feel like a, a lot lies on the, uh, on the Ryan Kessler line to perform. Yeah, for me, it, it definitely is that it's depth scoring as a whole, not just the Kessler line, but also the Henry Cash and Richie line. Can't They can't disappear. They have to show up for this series. And then obviously the top line has to play well. So depth scoring is a big one. Goaltending, again, is huge. Uh, John Gibson has to be ready to go. And he, he has to be healthy and stay stay strong through the entire series. I mean, he has to be the guy we saw when he went out of the lineup. Otherwise, it's going to be a tough series for Anaheim because goaltending is going to be a big reason they go any distance in these playoffs. So that is the second one for me. The last one is two, kind of a two-parter. Is when will Fowler come back and who's going to replace him in the meantime and how the Ducks are going to handle that? I think that's the big one. I mean, we were already we've already matched up the Ducks and Sharks defense and said it was pretty close. If Fowler was in the lineup, it would definitely be an edge for Anaheim. It's going to be interesting to see their pairings going into this first round because you know Fowler and and uh, sorry Lindholm and Manson are going to be together. 
Looks like Montu and Boschewitt are going to be together. That third pairing, we really have no idea. I mean, it, it could be Marcus Pedersen and Andy Walensky, but we don't know. I think that's huge for the Ducks is, is when does Fowler come back, and in the meantime, who fills that role? It's it's got it's going to be Bosch. Yeah. Bosch or Bieksa. I mean, Bieksa is close to coming back, from what I've heard. So I don't I don't feel that uh, the Ducks really are going to have a chance at Cam Fowler in this first round. Yeah, and it'd be smart not to rush him back. It's going to be a bad series, and yeah, in the second round, there's a chance it's going to be another bad series because you're going to either play the Kings, right? I mean, that is a really good chance the Ducks are playing the Kings after this if they get through this first round. Both teams do, mm-hmm. so you're talking about bloodbath after bloodbath here. Um, but yeah, Cam Fowler is going to be either Boschman or Bieksa. You're not going to see him this first round. That's that's a huge X factor. You're right. Going on bases in the chat, who's going to be the one to slip some HGH and Fowler's oatmeal? He volunteered you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, uh, uh, if anybody, you're, you're closer, so I'll, I'll, you can do that if you want. <laughs> I think you just duct tape his shoulder. You know, just duct tape it in. Just tell him not to use it. He'll be yeah. all right. <laughs> um, uh, Chase commenting on what we were just talking about. He says he thinks defense is going to be key if we're going to win this series, and uh, discipline is going to be need to be there as well. If the Ducks can't take stupid penalties against the Sharks, obviously we talked about their power play already, and I think that's important. I mean, the Ducks have had discipline issues all year. Uh, you kind of shone again in the game against Arizona last night, so they're going to have to be uh, not taking any stupid penalties. I mean, Richie is the guy at the forefront there, but that's going to be tough. You can't give. The Sharks too many chances on the power play because they'll make you pay. Nick Ritchie, that's the guy, of course, that we got to talk about when you're when you're looking at dumb penalties. Um, he needs to show up in this series. Yeah, I, I mean he's got to do something. I know he scored the last playoffs. He's got two goals in his last ten games, six shots on goal. So he's got a lot to make up for this season. I really feel like a lot of pressure should be on him. You know, he's, he's the RFA as we've talked about time and time again. It's time to step up and, and be an X factor on this team. And he's got to be involved physically, but he's got to walk that line without being an idiot. You know what yeah. I mean? He's just like, as everyone's talking about here is that you just, you can't let him um, feel like he has to go run around and take dumb penalties because uh, we've all seen time and time again, he does. Yeah. And, and that kind of goes into our last part here. Uh, who do you think is going to be the unsung hero for the ducks in this playoffs? Um, I don't. Do you think it's going to be Nick Ritchie? Do you think it's going to be somebody else? Uh, who, who do you think is going to be the guy that surprises some people? So, if the Ducks don't have John Gibson in net for the first round, it's Ryan Miller. If they get out of the first round and it's all Ryan Miller, there's your hero right there. Yeah. Um, he's not expected to be this type of goaltender on this team. He's expected to, you know, give Gibby a break, and he's had to come in and save us six times this season, and he's performed really well. So, I think a lot of it would fall on Ryan Miller. He's my guy. If you're going to talk about an unsung hero, if he gets if he gets pushed to start, yeah, yeah, and, and I, you know, I was going to say Andre Kasha, but I feel like at this point, maybe people wouldn't be as surprised if he really stepped up and led the way for the Ducks. So I'm going to pick uh, I'm going to pick somebody a little bit off the board here, and I'm going to go with Jakob Silverberg because I feel like he has the ability to do that. He stepped up in playoffs before, and if you look at his last four games. He's got a goal and five assists, so he's been turning it on offensively as of late. So I, I feel like he could be a guy that could really step up, and, and obviously if he does, he gets things going for that Kessler-Cogliano and obviously him on that line, and, and things get going for them, which is going to be huge. I, I would look to for him to be the unsung hero for the Ducks because it would be really, really nice to see him get things going and have a strong first round for, for Anaheim. Yeah, they need him to. They really need him to. 
I mean, yeah. we all we all know the the heroics of a Ryan Getzloff, a Ricard Raquel, and a Corey Perry. Corey Perry is money in the playoffs. I mean, say what you will about his his regular seasons. I mean, you look back at overtime goals against the Flames, overtime goal against Edmonton last year. So we know what to expect from him. But you're right, Jakob Silverberg is really he's that guy that uh, he can bury the puck. He was always as uh, John Allers. I mean, everyone knows I don't love the way he describes things, but he always <laughs> talks about Silverberg being the ace in the hole in the shootout. Yeah, and we really haven't seen that type of player. I feel like this year. So I, I would look forward to it in the playoffs as well. I mean, he didn't have a bad year: 17 goals, 23 assists. So not an awful year, but uh, maybe he'll kick it up that next level on that Kessler line. As you know, I was saying that line's got to perform. I think that's a good pick for you. I think Silverberg's a good shot to uh, to take that unsung hero role. Yeah, let's let's kind of wrap that up here. Unless you have anything else, um, and, and really look at what how, what the outcome we think is going to be for this series. Do you, do you think the Ducks win it? How many games do you think the Sharks squeak it out? I know that would be kind of a a not so wise thing to say on a Ducks podcast, but but who do you think takes this series and in how many games? Uh, Ducks and six. That's my Ducks pick. And six. That's yeah. a. I was close to mine. I, I'm I'm still sticking with the Ducks and seven. I, I feel like this this has the feeling of a, a seven game series written on it right from the start. I I think they're so close in all these categories. Offense is very close. Defense is very close. Ducks have the edge in goaltending. Sharks have the edge in special teams. I, I feel like it's going to be one of those series that drags on, uh, and and we've seen every game the Ducks have played the Sharks pretty much. They've been one goal games, they've been close games, and I, I don't think that's going to change going into the playoffs. I think it's just going to be that much tighter, and it's going to be that much more exciting to watch these games. I mean, they're they're going to be probably one nothing, two one, three two games, but they're going to be exciting one goal games. I God, I don't know. My I, this time of year is like blood pressure just through the roof. Yeah, I just I can't handle it. Sometimes <laughs> I get so stressed out with these games get close for the Ducks. Yeah, um, I could see it going seven, but I I really feel like the Ducks are are in playoff mode, and I I, I think they're going to take advantage of a, of a Sharks team that um, I don't think they're as good as as people think. I think the Ducks are better, so I, I could see this going six. I mean, I was gonna say five, but that's a little. A little overzealous. I got to go with six. <laughs> we might be called homers if we say that they're going to win in five. <laughs> but I, I mean, you can see it because the Ducks have won five games in a row, and San Jose is coming in rattling off uh, five losses in their last six. Things aren't necessarily going well for them lately. Uh, I mean, all they had to do was win a couple games, and they would have solidified home ice, and they really let things slip. So I mean, it's not out of the question. And I think the Ducks are definitely the hotter team going into the playoffs, which is huge. Uh, I mean, going in, winning your last five, playing strong translates well into the playoffs obviously there's some time off here i mean the ducks don't play now we found out until till thursday so there's a lot of time off to really gather your thoughts and get things going but still i mean riding that momentum into the first round on home ice now especially is going to be big yeah and they get four days to think about it and they don't have to travel i think that's just the best case scenario for our team here and the best case scenario for john gibson he has all this rest four more days off and he doesn't have to travel anywhere he's got home ice starting on thursday so Hopefully he's ready and we can look forward to this playoffs kicking off with a win. Yeah, we had, we had a couple questions that I want to get to too as well before we head up to the ma- the hour mark here. So we had Mr. Zuni on Twitter who said, "How will the injuries affect the first now he uh, for first round? Yeah, what's the news on Eves, Cam, Gibby? Uh, how do you think the injuries specifically Cam and Gibby are going to hurt the Ducks?" So Eves is done for the year. Yeah. Um, Murray came out and said that Cam Fowler. I don't expect to see him at all this first round. And I do expect John Gibson. I mean, it's I do expect him to be playing. I mean, I think if he was going to be out, 
Maybe we would have heard something here and there. I know it's very quiet, but I'd expect John Gibson to play. And how these injuries affect the first round, I mean, I know we've talked about it a little bit, but uh, it's hard to hide uh, a bad defenseman when he's got to play big minutes. So that's yeah. going to hurt the Ducks. That's that's a key. Um, I feel like Gibson's going to be back, so I don't, I'm not worried about the net. And Miller's very, very formidable in that. I'm not worried about him at all. But that hiding that <laughs> that inexperienced defender yeah. or that aging defender is going to be the toughest thing that I'm is going to have to deal with. Yeah, I, I mean, we've got four days of rest for John Gibson, so I feel like he's definitely going to be ready to go to start game one, unless, of course, something else happens. But uh, I think he'll be ready to go. The, the big one, again, for me is Cam Fowler, like you said. And, you know, he does get an extra four days to recuperate and, and uh, get healthier to hopefully come back earlier rather than later. But I, I don't see, I don't think we see him in the first round. And if we do, it probably wouldn't be into round a game five, six, or seven until we saw them. And that's if they rushed him back. So I, I don't know. Um, that's going to be tough because uh, I think you obviously got the number one pairing in Lindholm and Manson, which is good. Boschman Montour isn't ideal, but you would assume they're going to be going together just because of, of their experience together throughout the regular season. And as of late, the third pairing is the big one. And those are they're not going to be relied upon too much, but they're going to have to pick up some minutes. And especially when you go to San Jose, they're going to be victimized and they're going to be trying to get uh, Pavelski, Kane, Couture out against that pairing as often as possible. So it'll be interesting to see who they put on that bottom pairing to, to shore up the, the defense. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. I was looking at the calendar here. So Fowler got hurt on the 1st, on April 1st against Colorado. It's mm-hmm. literally been seven days, and they said two weeks minimum. So we're looking at after game one and game two. So the earliest that, you know, if you're going off what they, what they said the injury was, two to six weeks, Yeah, I feel like it's what you were saying, four to six, um, which hopefully it isn't. But we're looking at maybe he comes back for game three if he gets some HGH in his oatmeal, as uh, Gordon Bombay That's said. on you. That's on you. It's your <laughs> task now. It's your duty. you got to head over there and, and get things going because we need him for, for games three and four. <laughs> Um, uh, let's see. So I had a couple questions in the chat here. Um, Connor wants the Getzlaff of last playoffs. So uh, that'd be great. Uh, can we get the Perry of last playoffs as well and, and have a lot of other guys step up? That would be great. Yeah. I think that you're going to see the Getzlaff of last playoffs. I really do. I mean, he's got, he's, he knows what he's up against with the Sharks. They don't have, um, I'm not trying to burn. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm not trying to put down Brent Burns. I'm trying to burn Burns. <laughs> But I feel like P.K. Subban's a better defensive defenseman, and that's who shut Ryan, uh, Ryan Getzloff off when the Ducks played Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you're going to see the same Getzloff, Perry, Raquel that we've seen and come to expect. It's yeah. really going to be that depth score we've got to worry about. But, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so we have some questions about possible second round. So, so obviously looking past and assuming the Ducks win this first-round matchup. Uh, Duck Nation asked on Twitter last night, do you think the Ducks go to the second round? And do you th- uh, he asked, do they get home ice or do they only get home ice if they play the Kings? I'll answer that second part first, and then we'll get into the first question. So the Ducks will get home ice if they play the Kings in the second round. If Vegas beats LA, then the Ducks won't have home ice. And then from there on after, they won't have home ice if they play teams like Nashville, Winnipeg, any team that was above them in the standings. So... That's that's how that works out. Gordon Bombay had a similar question in the chat as well. Um, he says, "What do you see? Uh, who, sorry, will we see Vegas next round to LA? So, what do you think? Do you think Vegas gets by the Kings? I feel like that's kind of a favorable matchup in in a sense for the Kings, based on maybe facing the Ducks or San Jose. Or do you think we face Vegas?" Uh, my buddy who went with me, he actually gave me, he took me to the game on uh, on Friday. Um, 
he really wanted this Vegas matchup. He said, I don't want to play the Sharks in the first round. I don't want to play the Ducks in the first round. Those are going to be awful, brutal series, and there's going to be probably injuries that I don't want to have to have happen on this team if we're going to make a cup run. And he really wants Vegas. I think Kings fans feel comfortable playing against Vegas, and I think it's a favorable matchup for the Kings. I do. Um, I think the Kings probably have a chance to, to beat Vegas. I wouldn't have said that. Because I know we've always talked about, you know, Vegas, you know, everyone's, everyone's, you know, down on them right now and they're not performing as well as they were earlier this season. But I think the Kings can do it. I think we might be seeing the Kings go to the second round. See, I feel like people are still sleeping on Vegas. I, I mean, we heard this at the regular season and the midpoint uh, of the regular season as well, where people are like, oh, Vegas, we're waiting for Vegas to, to fall off and miss the playoffs. We're waiting for them to start playing bad. And then they end up winning the Pacific Division and are one of the top five teams in the National Hockey League. And I feel like going into the playoffs, people are just wiping the slate clean, not really looking at what they did in the regular season and saying, yeah, we want that team. They don't have experience. They don't have this. They don't have that. I'd rather face this team. I don't want to have the bloodbath against uh, Anaheim or San Jose. I don't know, man. I, I did not want to face Vegas at all in the first round. I did not want to have to go into T-Mobile Arena. That place is going to be crazy. They've been dominant there all season. They have a veteran goaltender with playoff experience in the lineup and Marc-Andre Fleury, a cup-winning goaltender. And, and that, I mean, that's, for me, I said this on the last show, that's all the experience you need is in that with Marc-Andre Fleury. And then you can figure things out as you go up front and, and everything like that. I, I feel like William Carlson doesn't need any boost to his confidence. We saw what he did against the Sharks for his 42nd goal this season. I, I, I don't know. I, I think Vegas wins this series. I think the Kings are going to make it close, but... I just think they're not going to be able to keep up. Uh, and we talked about the Ducks maybe not being able to keep up with, with Vegas. I think the the Kings are in the same boat. And I think that we end up seeing Vegas in the second round if the Ducks win. Wow. I mean, you don't feel like the Kings are going to be able to put on their little defensive clinics they do in the playoffs and take advantage of a team that's not as big as or doesn't play as heavy as a Sharks team or a Ducks team? I just don't think it, that wins you games necessarily in, in a seven-game series. I feel like that can win them a couple games, but I, I don't, I don't see it winning them the series. I, I really don't. I, I think they rely heavily, obviously, on, on Anze Kopitar and that line to get things going. Uh, maybe the Vegas doesn't have anybody to shut that line down, and that could be a problem. But it, it really, it's it's who wins that battle. Who wins that battle between the William Carlson and Anze Kopitar line? And then does the secondary scoring come up? You know, is is Jeff Carter and Tyler Toffoli and Tanner Pearson going to lead the way for uh, for LA, or is uh, is Vegas going to be able to get things going? Uh, I mean, Connor has in the chat. He says Vegas doesn't have a Kopitar Doughty, so that's why he thinks that uh, that uh, they're going to have struggling in this series. Well, I mean, they didn't have a Kopitar Doughty for the entire regular season either. And they finished pretty high up in the standings. They finished above the Kings, above the Sharks, above the Ducks, above a lot of teams. And they don't have that superstar. They've got a lot of guys playing some good hockey right now, and I think it can continue. They're going to need a game-breaker, though. I mean, they really are. They don't have a Norris Trophy defenseman. And that's a great point because come playoff time, I mean, it just gets tight. You know, you don't get the scoring chances that, uh, that you get in the regular season. But, I mean, it really is going to come down to quick versus flurry. If you're going to yeah. break that apart and you're going to say that there's a lot of guys that are just churning on all, on all cylinders in, in Vegas and they're going to get pumped up the way they were in the beginning of this year with the playoffs, um, now as they did when the, in the when the regular season started and they were on fire, I would take Flurry over over Quick. Everyone knows I don't like Quick. So maybe that's, that's what's going to break there. I felt like if the Ducks were going to play Vegas, I was going to take Vegas in the series, honestly. I mean, I didn't want to. I would love to say... 
you know, give the, uh, you know, give the old cheap pick and be like, oh, it's going to go seven, could go either way. That way I don't have to be a, a jerk about being yeah. a Ducks fan and saying they're going to lose. But I'm glad the Ducks aren't playing Vegas, but yeah. I feel like the Kings could probably beat them. Yeah, I, I definitely think they could beat them. I, I just, I slept on Vegas in the in the beginning of the regular season, did. like every, everybody did. But even <laughs> even around the twenty five game mark, when they're playing really well, I was like, they're gonna they're gonna tail off. They're they're not gonna make the playoffs. They're gonna be a bad team. They're gonna be a top five pick team. They're just uh, playing some good hockey right now, and they've they've really proved me wrong all the way through the entire regular season. And I'm just hard pressed to really go against them again and say they're not gonna win. Uh, I'm, I've done it all season. They proved me wrong. I feel like they can do that in, in the playoffs as well. And, and Derek says in, in the chat, I agree with him. He says, when your whole team plays great, you can win by committee. You don't necessarily need a Kopitar and Doughty. And Vegas has shown that all season. Why not do that in the playoffs? I, I think games one and two, though, are going to be huge. Uh, Vegas has to win both. I don't think you can split the series and try and head into L.A. and win that. I, I feel like... You know, confidence starts to waver. The, the nerves start to show up if you split one of those games or, of course, if you lose both. So those first two games for Vegas are going to be huge and, and really set the tone for their playoffs. No, you're right. So you're picking Ducks. I'm picking Ducks. And you're picking Vegas. I'm picking L.A. I think the other part of me really wants to see the, you know, the Ducks-L.A. matchup. So yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what swayed me. <laughs> but uh, before we close out here, there are a couple other matchups that are solidified. I don't want to go in-depth about them, but I want to know – your picks, and I'll, I'll tell mine oh about what's, what's going on. So we'll start uh, with the West because those are all settled. We've already got our picks for, for Anaheim, uh, San Jose, Vegas, L.A. Moving over to the Central, we've got Nashville and Colorado, who beat St. Louis in that crazy game last night where a winner gets into the playoffs. Who do you think takes this one, Nashville or Colorado? I feel like this is an easy answer, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, I hate Nashville. Oh, my God, I hate Nashville. Yeah. Um and I'm and anybody who listens to my other podcast with the puck guys, don't judge me if I change my picks because we're not diving into numbers yet. But if you're going to fire <laughs> off this right off the bat, um, you want to take what I say here. Just an um, on the surface pick. No, don't have to look into anything. Just who do you think is going to win based off what you already know? Oh, God. Well, I mean, everything says take Nashville, but I'm going to take Colorado. I hate that. I can't pick Nashville. Yeah, and if you guys want to, if you guys want to let us know who you think is going to win these series in the chat, let us know too, and we'll mention one here, but. You think Colorado's going to upset the Predators in the first round? President's Nathan McKinnon. Nathan, Nathan McKinnon, yeah. man. But we, you just, we, just, and... <laughs> we just talked about how Subban and Ekholm and, and committee shut down Ryan Getzlaff last year I in the know. playoffs. <laughs> so I, I get it. I feel like it's tough. And I, I feel like. No, I, I would definitely take Nashville, man. I, I just don't want to say it. I hate yeah, that team so I much. No, I, I got Nashville in five. That's, that's my pick. I, I think. Colorado has a chance. You know, they're riding the momentum of just, just barely getting in and then that crazy game against St. Louis. And, and Nathan McKinnon is, is a guy who's going to be up for the hard trophy. But if that line isn't going, there's not much else going for Colorado. And goaltending for them is just, it's so awful, I guess you could say. It's Varlamov and Bernier. I mean, I just, I don't trust that going into the playoffs. If they had somebody back there who I had a little bit of trust in, I'd say I would take them. I would give them the benefit of the doubt and say they're going to surprise some people and beat Nashville, but I I just, I can't say it. I I feel like Nashville is just too good of a team. They've been that good of a team all season. They're strong in net with Rene, who's probably going to win the Vesna. They've got one of the best decoys in the league, and up front, they're they're just a very deep team, so I I just don't see it happening. But it could be close. I I could see a, a six... Like they chase it a five or six. I think Colorado can steal a game or two, but uh, I think Nashville ends up winning that one. 
Yeah, I, I, like I said, Nashville in five. This one next, this next one here, I, I really think is is going to be a fun series to watch. And it's Winnipeg versus Minnesota. You think it's going to be fun? I, I just like watching. I think the this Jets, is going to be but... over in four. Yeah, I think the Jets sweep Minnesota. I think it's a, I think it's the, one of the only. You know, it is. It's the only series that I'm going to pick a sweep here. If you're going to ask me on any of the eight series, I got to go sweep with Winnipeg winning that one in four. The Winnipeg's too damn good. Yeah, in no, Minnesota, I, I... I mean, come on, they're not really that great at all. No, I agree with you, and I think Ryan Suter and Jared Spurgeon being out. I mean, I do think Winnipeg's going to win it in four. I just think it's going to be a fun series to watch. I just think those two teams playing at a high tempo is, is going to be fun hockey to watch, even if Winnipeg wins it in four. I don't think they're going to be blowouts, but I do agree Winnipeg's too good of a team. And I think the Jets, even going on to the second round, have a good chance of beating Nashville as well. They're, they're very similar teams in the way they match up. I just think the Jets up front have a lot more firepower than Nashville does when you, you look at uh, Wheeler and Shifley and Line and Paul Statsny and Nick Ehlers, Kyle Connor. This is a team that that I think in the Western Conference, I know Nashville and everybody's high on Nashville, but I think the Jets have the best chance of getting to the Stanley Cup Finals out of any of the teams wow. in the Western Conference. Yeah, and, and I mean, I was high on them at the beginning of the season too, and I'm not going to... I'm not going to sit here and say I predicted anything, but I I said at the beginning of the season that I, I think they this is a team who can win the Central Division. They they didn't get there, but they got close. And I was banking a lot on Connor Hellebuck having a bounce back season, which he did. And they're just they're an unbelievable team. I like them a lot better than I do Nashville. I think the only the only place where they kind of uh, tail off is on defense. They, you know you've got Dustin Bufflin, Tyler Myers, Josh Morris. It's not necessarily as flashy and as pretty as what Nashville can put up there, but. I think they're the better team. That's crazy. Like, I don't know, man. I feel like I was just going to say before you said the weakness on D for Winnipeg, I was going to say they're basically Nashville without the fancy defensive core, which is yeah. huge. That's mm-hmm. a huge deal. I, I feel like Nashville would be able to take them out. And, well, I'll get to those if they make it. But I would I would feel like Nashville would beat Winnipeg. That's That's my hunch. You don't think the difference in offense for Winnipeg is, is going to sway the tide there? I mean, this is the second-best offense in the National Hockey League throughout the regular season. How good has Pecorine been? You add I, that I, yeah, to behind the it. gigantic blanket of defense that Nashville's going to throw over anybody they play. How good's Connor Hellebuck been, though? <laughs> we, we, I mean, we could argue this all day. I don't want to dive into it For too sure. much, but that would probably be the best series of the playoffs if they ended up playing each other. I mean, that would just be a great series to watch. I mean, the couple times they played each other this year, I remember they were just great games. They were like six five games. They were nuts. Teams were trading leads back and forth. So that would be one if they end up playing each other, which they probably will. Would be a, a crazy one to watch. Um, let's move over to the East. We'll have uh, here Pittsburgh and Philadelphia which is probably, in my opinion, the only two teams who can rival what the Ducks have with L.A. Um, whoosh. Ah, man, I got to go with uh, I got to go with Pittsburgh. I got to take Pittsburgh in that one. Uh, I'm going to Philadelphia in five. <laughs> in five? Yeah, I don't oh, uh, I don't trust goaltending. I know it's hard to say, but I don't I don't like what I've seen from Matt Murray. This these are Matt Murray's numbers by the way. A 907 save percentage and a 2.92 goals against average for the regular season through 49 games played. Uh not great to say the least. And I just I don't like what they have on the back end pretty that much either. Their momentum has kind of been sapped I think throughout the regular season they've been on and off and, and winning and losing. So I, I just think I just like what Philadelphia has. I, their goaltending, I think, is on par at this point, unless Ryan, uh, unless Murray can get back to what we saw from him in the playoffs. But 
the Claude Giroux, 102 points this year. Has to be a guy who's in the consideration for the heart. They've got a young lineup. They've got Voracek, Simmons. They've got all these guys going to hurt Nolan Patrick, number two overall pick. And, and their blue line, I just I like it. I just like it a lot better. You've got uh, Provorov. You've got Gostaspear. You've got Hag. You've got Gudis. You've just got all these guys, I, I think, young guys as well. I just like them. I like them. They're a better team. And I think Peter Morazic can be just as good as Murray can be for Pittsburgh. I, man, you're sleeping on Malkin. I am. I, I don't think. I think. Uh, I don't Kessel? think the offense is going to be a- enough. I, I think their defense is just not that great. And if the goaltending isn't there, uh, I, I think Philadelphia takes it in five, maybe six. If Pittsburgh, like I said, if Malkin and, and Crosby can win some of these games for them, but I just like what the the Flyers have to offer. Hundred and eighty nine points between Malkin, Crosby, and Kessel this year. But uh, that's it. I know that's a lot, but that, that's that's it for for Pittsburgh's offense. Hornquist forty nine, Gensel forty eight, Rust yeah, at thirty eight, but Chris those Letang guys, at fifty one. Rust, Gensel, uh, Hornquist all all have played with Crosby a considerable amount of time this year, and and they really benefit from, from playing out the line. Not that they're good players on their own, and Gensel had a great playoffs last year. I mean, he was arguably one of the best players in, in the playoffs last year, but. I just like I just like this Philadelphia team, and I know it's a little bit of a hot take saying they'll win in five, but I just like what they have to offer, and I just don't see Pittsburgh doing well unless Murray can actually be at his best. All right, man, I I, I can't argue with that <laughs> opinion. Other than uh, Claude Giroux's got uh, thirty six points on the power play of his hundred and two, so just throwing that one out there. Got a lot of power play points. Kessel has leading the league with forty two. Out of his 96. All right, let's move on. We're going to jump down an <laughs> NHL show rabbit hole here. Okay, man. okay. So uh, <laughs> last one. It's going to be a from... great series. I'm going to be yeah. watching that. So this is the last one from the East that's confirmed, right? There's no point in going to the other ones because then we'll have to do four more. But it's Washington and Columbus. This is uh, – should be an easy one. I mean, I'm, I'm going to take the Caps. I just – they're dude, they can't lose. And they're not playing Pittsburgh in the first round, which is great. So I think if Pittsburgh gets out of the way, they've like they're in the Capitals' heads. I don't care what anybody says. If they don't have to play the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Caps are a really good team, and I could see them going through the first two rounds if they don't have to play Pittsburgh. Yeah, so I would I, take I, Caps in six. I I give yeah I think Washington is six. I I feel like Columbus is a good enough team where they can steal a couple games, and of course Bobrovsky, it's in my opinion has been top three in goaltenders this season until but, he goes um, to the playoffs. Yeah, exactly, until he goes to the playoffs. And this is a, a very young team, and, and I, I don't know. I mean, they, they've got the star power in, in Artemi Panarin, and I just think up the middle is the question mark for me. I mean, you've got Wenberg, you've got Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, you don't really have that number one center, really, that can lead the way from you. I mean, Dubinsky's going to probably be a third-line guy from them. They've, they've got the wingers, and they, they've got the defense, and Wawrinski and Jones and Jack, uh, Jack Johnson and those guys, but I just don't think they have that, that guy down the middle that's going to really turn the tide for them. So I think they can steal a couple games, but Washington's going to probably roll by them in, in, in about five or six games. Yeah, it's going to be a quick series. Sorry, John Tortorella. You're not the greatest coach in the world. <laughs> and, you're not, and you don't have the yeah. greatest team. So um, it might be the greatest. Go ahead. Sorry. I'll go. No, I was I just on the Tortorella. Yeah. No, I was just going to say that we can't break down these next series, but I want to know who you would rather see. It doesn't get decided until the Boston game today. So right now, if Boston loses, they play Toronto. If they win, they play New Jersey. That would mean Tampa would play Toronto or Tampa plays New Jersey if Boston loses. Which one would you rather see? What series would you like to see out of those two? 
Um, I, w- I mean, just because of the playoff history between Boston and Toronto, I want to see that series. And uh, I, I want to see Toronto light up Boston. I hate Boston, too. <laughs> I just don't like I don't yeah. like Marchand at all. I would Not love to see Austin do. Matthews just tear him up. So I'm hoping it's Toronto-Boston. And then Tampa Bay, New Jersey? Yeah, and then I want to see Taylor Hall come out and uh, solidify all this talk about a heart trophy and just smash uh, the Lightning, which I don't think they will. <laughs> I think yeah. the Lightning are really good. So I think that'll be a, a, a closer series than people think, though. I don't yeah. think New Jersey's going to roll over and die. It's In my opinion, for New Jersey, it's Corey Schneider. has to be the Corey Schneider we're used to seeing, a guy who is a little bit underrated, can be a good, strong goaltender, but he's been behind a poor defense for so long, he just kind of goes under the radar. I think if they can get that goaltender, they can make it difficult for Tampa Bay, but I, I just don't I don't think they win. I don't think they can keep up with Kucherov, who, I mean, he had over 100 points this year. I mean, I don't think I would ever expect a Kucherov to 100 points, but he did. Steven Stamkos and the guys they have in that lineup, I think they're going to be too much. But, but those would be my picks, too. I would like to see Tampa play New Jersey, and I would like to see Boston play Toronto. I feel like that series would be crazy and with the, the Leafs and Bruins because of the, the history they have and the heartbreak that the Leafs faced last time they, they played Boston in the playoffs. So uh, those would be the ones for me. I, I think the playoffs are lining up, though, to have some pretty good matchups in the first and second round. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. This season can't start soon enough. This second season is just the best. All right, well, we uh, that does it for this show. I mean, we're hitting almost an hour 20. Uh, we'll be back for the game on Thursday for the first game of the playoffs. Should be back on a regular schedule, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> Eddie's been carrying the load for the shows this whole week. So tip the hat to you, my friend. Staying up super late till 3 a.m., I think, on our last show when we did it late. So, yeah, we'll be back on schedule on Thursday. And I don't foresee anything getting in the way the rest the, the rest of the the rest of the playoffs, let's just say yeah. that. Unless something unexpected happens, I feel like uh, things are set. But uh, we'll be back on Thursday night. Thank you, everybody, tuning in. Um, people who tuned in live, that you guys are amazing. I didn't. We never really feel like we're going to get a lot of people jumping in on, on the chat on a Sunday morning or Saturday morning, but you guys prove us wrong. So shout out to you guys for doing that. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit us up on iTunes. Hit subscribe. Give us a five-star. And if you guys have you know 30 seconds, leave us a cool review. We would love that. It helps spread the word about our show. And if you don't do it already, why not go partake in our Forever Mighty, uh, Forever Mighty Post Game Show's three-star leaderboard, have a chance to get cool prizes. And, uh, I mean, we decided that's going to be a jersey, right? That's what, what it's going to be. Yeah, we have a, a jersey for the winner. Now, it, it goes every month, but since we're into April here and there's only four games, we're continuing it into the playoffs. So it goes however long the Ducks go in the playoffs, and the leader at the end of that one ends up uh, winning a jersey. So right now we have uh, Cole Wish, who is the leader after the four games that we've had in April. He's got four points. A lot of people behind him. A lot a lot of people picked up points last night because we gave it a, a pretty pretty easy question in who would the Ducks play in the first round. So there's a there's about uh, 30 people in it right now. So there's a lot of a lot of time to get caught up, but a lot of people you got to move in front of. It's exciting times if you want to get a free jersey, man. It's 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 not it's not difficult to come in and give us your picks. So please do that on Twitter. Eddie does that as well. I'm just showering you with compliments my friend (laughs) uh well deserved and uh we'll talk to you guys on thursday have a great rest of your weekend and see you guys then